everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the Creators of Freedom Weep. I'm Alex in Los Angeles here with Megan. Hey, Megan. Hey. And we're joined yet again by our full packed virus program. We've got in Northern California, it's Ezra and maybe Sarah at some point and also Frozen babysitting the kids. Hello. Say, say hello. Hello. Perfect. She doesn't have and then headphones all- on yet. Yeah, that's what I figured. And also joining us uh, from Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hey, hey. Yes, hello. And <laughs> and in Los Angeles, uh, in Burbank, California, actually, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hi, there's no need to get specific. <laughs> is that too specific? No, it's okay. Just, it's, it's Burbank is just Angeles such a great area. name for a town. I like it a lot. It's true. You've heard it so many times on... Uh, game shows and mm-hmm. talk shows. Yeah, we live oh, in yeah. the Nickelodeon studios. <laughs> yeah, yes. and Conan. Yeah, it's nice. All right. Well, so we're talking about. Ugh, anyway, it's too late. Um, so <laughs> we're talking about season seventeen, episode ten of Top Chef, the one they they call Colossal Coliseum Kaiseki. Awful um, title. Truly, so bad. Uh, I really nobody likes ever. alliteration that much, Top Chef. Although I really want to eat kaiseki at some point i mean it let's does see seem nice do. it seems very fancy um also i read a long history of kaiseki that was suggesting that although it did originate from tea ceremonies it was mostly developed in brothels so that's fun huh. oh yeah you always want that steam course in the brothel <laughs> <laughs> are there any other great cultural... brothel was called the steam course are, yeah. <laughs> are there any non-steam courses at the brothel uh you don't Sorry. want it they're not safe for sure <laughs> Well, so this Kaiseki episode, uh, let's just jump right into it. So uh, today for the quick fire, the chefs, it's the return of the blindfolded taste test, you guys. I forgot about that. Well, so fun all the time, but with a brilliant twist, a twist that I think is so good. And I'm so sad that I did not think of it before this, which is that you use the ingredients that you tasted correctly, or you can use the ingredients you taste correctly in your dish. Um, Oh, you know what they should have done? They should have done it mandatory. You have to use all the ingredients you taste in the dish. And they should have had some really notable but terrible flavors in there. That would have been like strategic then. They would have had to decide, I know what this is, but I don't want to cook with it. So I'm yeah. going to get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does have some bizarre incentives. What if it was you have to use anything you get wrong? Yeah. So then oh. your incentive is to do better. Ooh, that's a good one. You're going yeah. to have to. And it would mean that no one has to use. Butter. Everybody has to use ham. <laughs> the uh the prosciutto was difficult um i don't know if you guys saw in my um briefing document that i sent you i spent way too much time making a beautiful table of all of the chefs and all of the ingredients and who got what correct oh my god i'm gonna I pull mean, this up now we're gonna nice. study this thing don't it's, worry it's it's super fun but it what, it what it is useful for is that prosciutto was one of the hardest with only two correct blue cheese was the only thing that everybody got right which is why it seems like if you get it wrong you have to use it would make some sense because this is how you eliminate blue cheese it like, also, also like, on the e- go ahead i imagine every time they taste blue cheese they're like oh damn it blue cheese ah <laughs> <laughs> what's crazy are things like lemon only yeah, two lemon of the six chefs bad. you know like lemon oh, yeah. ham show sponsor you know? lemon yeah, <laughs> I wonder if the I didn't see I didn't see we didn't see all of it, but I wonder if it was like frequently referred to as lime or something else or grapefruit. Yeah. I don't know. People are yeah, I think overthinking it is a real classic move in this challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but everybody got lavender except for one. You know, yeah, lavender was easy. I was so surprised that lychee was one of the easy ones. That's yeah, that seems hard to me. Specific flavor. 
Yeah. And I think it's textural, right? I think so, the texture probably helps uh, a lot too. Yeah. yeah, it's like an eyeball. There's some things that are just like unmistakable. Well, I also wonder if like everyone's like, I'm sure lychee's going to be in here. So they set it for like five of the things they tasted. <laughs> lychee. 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 Yeah, right. That's a good way to get it right eventually. Get one thing right. There well, are a that's couple... tarragon. <laughs> Take it. Um, no, there's a couple of things that are like very lychee like, but that, that like I think could have gotten tripped up. So like longan and uh, like Ramatan oh, are both like texturally and like flavor wise pretty close. Like I don't think I would like I don't think I'd get that. But none of those are like hip to cook with. That's lychee's like right, yeah, lychee's so popular. They, they could have ca- tomato was really interesting because this is such a dessert. It was a dessert challenge, and so the the menu of ingredients was so dessert like that the fact that most people got tomato is also kind of nice. Yeah. Because uh, that's the one that's like the most out of nowhere. <laughs> I did like prosciutto was hard, and also I can't remember who who did we see who looked really mad about having prosciutto Volt. in their mouth. Volt was mad because he was yeah. like, "I know what that is, but I I can't name it." And I think he was just frustrated with himself. But it did look like he was repulsed by prosciutto. Yeah, he was like, oh, what Whoa. is this crap? Uh, got a bad case of ham mouth. <laughs> I mean, if you have been eating a lot of dessert, I, I guess and ham could be a surprise. Um, <laughs> no one likes surprise ham. So the the other there were a couple of weird twi- other twists on this. One is that you only had five ingredients for the whole taste, um, and then second was that the number of ingredients you got right also determined how much time you got. The top two got sixty, then forty five, then thirty minutes for the last two, and um, the prize was a huge advantage um, in the elimination challenge. I hope you get to hear those air quotes. Padma yeah. seemed like she was like really into this prize and I do not think it mattered much, but I, well, this, this is, that's, I know that voice because that's the thing when like you're trying to sell something to your kids a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, guys, we got a really big treat. So you have to clean up really good first. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if this is controversial. I think it was a, a quote unquote <laughs> huge advantage because if it hadn't been Melissa, who so kindly oh, yeah. gave everyone what they thought they would do best at, it might have been someone who would have taken the opposite approach. That's like, true. Who do we think who keeps that. a notebook? Who keeps a list? <laughs> you know? do that? I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe, for example, somebody. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, let's come back to that in just a second. But so the. Um, other thing, so the everyone's making dessert today with these ingredients that they tasted, and they're cooking for um, guest judge Sherry Yard, who has a very famous pastry chef, three James Beard Awards, worked for Wolfgang Gang Puck. And I found a fun fact on Wikipedia, if you'd like to hear it, which is that Sherry Yard is married to a dentist. Famous dessert chef, married dentist. Feels like wow. kind of a conspiracy. Wow. No, that's the enemy. Uh, I think it's like, net, no, it's like a carbon offset. I think it makes sense. <laughs> Neutral. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's making that is more like vertical integration, where it was like they were working together to create customers. Uh, but I can see that also. Yes. Oh, it's like the like CIA it. funding like uh, drug trade in Colombia. Yeah. There's there a Teen Titans um, uh, episode where it's like the Easter Bunny, I think, and the Tooth Fairy teamed up in a similar way, basically with giving giving oh, candy nice. and taking teeth. Okay, I thought you were going to say there was a Teen Titans where they were telling kids about CIA funding terrorism. <laughs> there's a lot of there's there a lot of that too. Yeah, no, there's like there's a whole conspiracy theory against like I think um, uh, tea being like uh, if you drink tea you're like a pawn of of, of England. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, that's a fun one. And then there's just one where they're like the Easter Bunny comes out and is like, "Did you know the government invented crack?" <laughs> I mean, they, they, they do. They're they're surprisingly edgy because Teen yeah, Titans go fun. guys. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, that sounds go oh, for sure. I, I'm an I'm an OG Teen Titans man. Can't deal with the go. <laughs> Teen Titans. I'm looking Aussie. forward to Teen Titans Max. That'll be the new one that I'll use. Oh, I like you guys, that. Okay, let's go back. Do you guys like? Uh, t- how did you feel about this blind taste test? I, I like love it. it. Yeah, yeah good. Universal quickfire, and everybody's good enough that it made it. I mean, like even the 30 minute people did good. I mean, Malarkey, I, I, he he made ice cream for the third time, and it worked out. He uh, <laughs> ruined the ice cream machine for everybody else, is what he did. Oh, that I laughed so much when Stephanie was like, uh, "Malarkey's ruined the ice cream machine with whatever his weird flavor of the week is," <laughs> and I don't want my normal ice cream flavored ice cream yeah, to touch that it. Is Stephanie Seymour so is a killed gift. me today. She really, oh man, she yeah. owned the first part of this episode just in terms of like go, taking us from a very like legit moving place in her discussion with Gregory about her brother and then going right into a lot of excellent quick fire comedy. It was just a delight. It was a quick fire for her all day long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was so much fun. I, I, this is, this is the CMR I want and need. (laughs) (laughs) I think she ran the whole episode. Once we get to the elimination challenge. Yeah. Yeah. She ran last chance kitchen with her sullen looks. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I just, I spent so much time being enveloped in stress during the actual. uh, Yeah. Yeah, It turns out now that we're down to like, oops, all faves, it's really complicated to go through an elimination challenge, especially one that's not suited to any of them. And which is, it makes it even more impressive that Seymour was like, she seemed to have a good time on the elimination. Yeah. This was her day. Oh yeah, when she presented, I mean, just skipping ahead, like when she presented, she was like, I think the most like like just jazzed to be there. Like I just yeah. I like to see that, yeah. that part of her. Yeah, she was so <laughs> cool. And when everyone else was was like molting with their stress, and she was just like, "This is neat, uh, Olympics." Yeah, <laughs> crushed it. No big deal. Yeah, uh, really fun episode for her. Um, uh, it was interesting. I thought that both um, the bottoms and the tops were thirty and forty five minute people. That the people who had an hour sailed right into the middle huh. if you had if you had the full time to cook for your quick fire you did fine i got time like, to cook you got time to overthink <laughs> yeah, or time, <laughs> I mean, time to be maybe, comfortable yeah. you know yeah well I, th- I i think the dessert i wanted most was stephanie seymour's crostata crostatas are delicious and like just like a nice warm berry baked thing with ice cream on top is what i want for dessert you know, so so yeah. maybe look fancy but like that crostata was my jam yes I would definitely be interested in this olive oil pistachio cake from Melissa that won that with egg custard ice cream sounds pretty rad. Here, uh, here. Everyone, okay, so everyone is like, I think more excited about olive oil type cakes than I am. And I'm, no, I'm, I'm sorry. with you. Okay. No, I'm also not. No one excited. is less excited than Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bitter. It's oily. It's cake for some reason. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I did. Although we do have to give Malarkey some credit for being on the top, it was wasn't his kind of a weird presentation of cake where he had like he oh, looked yeah. like it was little weird squares of cake in different parts of the plate. It looked like almost like a cake tasting. I think he made it was cake like, in a wood fired oven. You know? Oh yeah, like, that's I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Yes, getting your favorite part, the crispy top of the cake. <laughs> I love a crunchy cake. He was like, it's going to get really firm on top, and I was like, oh no! Like he pulled you it what? off. But when uh, Sherry Yard snelt, like smelled it, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like a burger cake. But I don't know. He surprised me. I did feel real bad for Karen, who had a tough episode, obviously. But the um, the panna cotta in 30 minutes just feels like it's getting to be 
that's almost risotto for me in terms of like how many times people have tried it on Top Chef and it just doesn't work. If anytime somebody says anything is supposed to set, I assume it won't. Yeah, it's it's uh, that should be. Oh man, I would love to have stats on this where it's like how many times when people tried things to set haven't failed. Like I think yeah, because I mean we had we had a setting problem also later in the elimination right with Melissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a yes, that's a different but, thing because of steam. Like it's different. Be, that wasn't as much about time. It's more like how the steam is introduced and like what volume. Right. You have to remember, Ezra. She used the the food ruiner for her dish. <laughs> steam oven. Why yeah. is that a thing? Why yeah. is there a button for that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we keep jumping ahead, so let's wrap this um, quick fire really fast. So Melissa wins with the olive oil cake that disappointed Tanya. Um, <laughs> Me and, too. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and less so Ezra, it turns out. Um, and uh, we also found out a couple of fun things. We found out that Gregory um, has poor vision and thus heightened other senses. So we found He's out. basically oh. Daredevil, which is He's incredible. Daredevil. Okay, as someone who is essentially legally blind, I can assure you that doesn't work for everyone. It but I'm so happy yeah. it works yeah. out for him. <laughs> okay, Sarah, that is exactly what Daredevil would say. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's like, oh no, I'm just a humble lawyer. Don't worry about me. I'm not going to hit you with a stick. I wish I was doing as much good as a humble lawyer. (laughs) I wish I could taste as good as Greg. (laughs) Uh, We also found out in other surprising um, uh, strengths, I guess, we found out that Karen power lifts and it's kind of inspiring and also intimidating. Both Kevin and, uh, or sorry, Kevin and Karen both uh, power lift and have both claimed to for it to have like you know changed their lives. So, and wow. I have friends who've started powerlifting and they really really love it too. So it maybe there's something there. Want to try? Yeah, we, I want to. I want we to we both looked at each other so and we're like, doing this? "Let's do this." Maybe <laughs> I had I mean, an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Karen's T-shirt took the time to mentor me and inform me that powerlifting is for everyone. So, yeah, that's true. guys, you should probably do it. Mm. <laughs> um, are there any other options below power though? Where it's like, is there like I don't know, like agility lift or speed lift or dexterity lift, where you're just like you're really grabbing things very, very strongly? Okay. A stasis lift? Can I just hang out with the weight on the ground? I mean, let me remind you of my catchphrase: Do you even lift, bro? Like, yes, <laughs> of course. Also, we found out that malarkey is ripped as it well. Was good without a shirt. Turns out. Yeah. Did we that not already know this? Have you seen his neck? Obviously, he's ripped from there down. Okay, oh, I just want to say, in the first episode, I made a comment. You said he was keeping it tight, but you that was all implied, I think. I don't... Oh, I wasn't oh, explicit. No. no, no, no. I said, as in, I don't know if... You, we never saw the, the below the neck Oh, stuff. yeah. So I guess you and Tanya both have good neck uh, extrapolation. Yeah, yeah Sarah, arms, I'm, I'm with you a thousand gauge. percent on keeping it tight. That is, that is absolutely the way to describe him. I was... That was very surprising. Um, and since we don't get to see him do very many things well on the show, it was nice to see that. Okay. Um, and I, it? Now that it's become malarkey appreciation time, I just want to double back. Oops, on sorry. Like, what? I just, I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. Okay. Too late. It's happening. Go for it. No, I just want to say, like, I, as someone who was hard on malarkey early in the season, him, like, fraying and becoming unhinged has been really relatable. <laughs> and, like, I'm very into, like, just on the brink, Brian Malarkey. That is an, an amount of Malarkey compliment that I can handle. Yeah, no. So, yeah. So, unfoppable Malarkey, not so much fun. Flapped Flapped. Malarkey, really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, a little bit flapped, I think, was uh, Vault being on the bottom again after making incredible components, but not a good dish. Although... <laughs> 
in his defense, I was sort of expecting him to serve like the best steak and potatoes she'd ever had <laughs> for dessert. Yeah, for the dessert, <laughs> and then the wrong dish. Yeah. Like, like a, a smear of cake on the side of the plate. And he's like, no, that's, that's the dessert part. Yeah, and they call him by his brother's name, and he resets. And, oh yeah, that uh, was yeah. so. <laughs> and also, to Malarkey's credit, that he he yes ended it really well, but <laughs> he, he did. He um, he called Volt wrong Volt, and it was really funny. It's and like sad. Michael and Brian's like what. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I just really like your brother. It's yeah. such an easy name to remember also for Malarkey, which is that's the other thing. Like, <laughs> such a good point. Like if I call, if I meet another Ezra, I'm not gonna call him Michael. Yeah. <laughs> to be but fair, what if he there's has always a cooler some... brother named Michael and you like his brother better. <laughs> there's always some confusion to me when somebody else is named Chris. I'm like, wait, but I'm Chris. Like, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Um all right, let's jump into this elimination. So the elimination today as previously indicated, is a six-course progressive Kaiseki meal for a bunch of Olympians and two women whose standards you can't possibly live up to. No First way. Prize. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, they're so beautiful and seem kind of mean. I love them. They, oh, they were they, not interested in smiling. No. Sometimes. But yeah, they gave an excellent tutorial, though. And I was yes. like, I'm assuming they gave them like at least a one sheet of like the terms and what the courses are, too. But I thought yeah. that that demonstration they did was, for one, absolutely necessary. You can't send yes. two chefs in cold with something that specific. But it also yeah. was really cool to see them like talk through the process and explain the components. I yeah. loved that. that. And they really did like light up, too. And I'm sure it's crazy to have to judge someone else who really has no experience with this type of cuisine, like interacting with it for the first time when it is like your life's work and the thing you're like known for. Well, and um, hyper specific. Yeah. And it's like, sort of like, and it's like every Kaiseki follows progression. And like, you know, in, in knowing a little bit more about Kaiseki from friends who have tried to explain it to me, like every Kaiseki is different. And like, you know, theme two is there's circles in some way. And you're like, what? Yeah. And they're yeah. like, yeah, it's, <laughs> Everyone will know whether or not there are circles. And you're like, I, I, I don't, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you about? saying? What are you, what are you, but also it's springtime. I'm crying. Why it, am I crying? It has, to, it has to. Please respect the ingredients for the love of God. Oh God. Also, at one point, they have to be a picture of the um, topographical map of the area you're in. Yes. Yeah. It's intense. So and and river mountains. Uh, what, Grass? Yeah, river, river mountain stream. You know, yeah. that just really helped me, you know, remember to put the hollowed out birch bark over the rice. <laughs> I know. I was like, how many times do they scrub the birch bark? I know there's a ritualistic number. Tell me the number. <laughs> I, I, thought um, they so, were, I thought they were fair. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. this is like Sarah was saying, this is their craft. They spent their lives studying and perfecting this. So yes, to yes. judge the chefs like easily or to like give them slack for it just wouldn't wouldn't be right. No, but it was clear that they were being judged as sort of Kaiseki Jr., you know? Yeah. Yes, right. Um, so to say who these they are, by the way, this is Nikki Nakayama and Carol Liddy Nakayama, who are um, Los Angelinos, who um, own the restaurant N Naka, which is a two Michelin starred California style uh, Kaiseki restaurant. Nobody can get a table. It's uh, that is. Yeah. yeah. And and Gregory was like the most like he was geeking out. Yeah. Pure, pure giddiness at seeing them and he was like it's literally impossible to get a table at their restaurant uh it was very exciting um, also kaseki places are like 10 seat you know they'll do well, one yeah. or two you know services per night type yeah. of places yeah yeah um they and I, so i got the impression that they were not having a great time while they were judging but also i did feel like so they pointed out a lot of things that were kind of intense like i got a little tiny piece of crab shell 
and in Kaiseki that means that you your whole meal is garbage. And then um, oh, this duck <laughs> is a say that. different cut. They, they no, that was Nilu, like, resident mean girl. Yeah, Nilu did it for sure. Nilu is like the fr- like you know when your friends have a friend that they're obsessed with, and then you meet that friend, and you're like, why do you like this friend so much? Like <laughs> Nilu is that person for me every flipping time. Like they're always like, yay, it's Nilu, and I'm always like, I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> like she's I, so you, shiny and so mean. Have you seen her on the the Cooking with Tom web no, series? No, we've never successfully streamed that show. Thanks, Bravo app. It doesn't exist in our dimension. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, anyway, she's very charming. She's on charming that, on it. Yeah. yeah, she's like she's the goofball to Tom's genius, and it's a really fun mix. And yeah, oh. she's, she's been neat on that show. Oh. Yeah, she's um, the genie and the I dream of genie. Yeah, when you hang out with Nilu, <laughs> it's always the best time, and I always have to hear about it, and that's fine. <laughs> it's, I'm so sorry you can't see it. I that's the all. I'm just saying I enjoyed her on that show. I also enjoy Tom on that show. So maybe if you get a chance, um, I don't enjoy the sound effects board that is used on that show necessarily but i like the show oh um, there's a sound effects editor who just started crying because of you oh i'm so sorry you i'm sure you were assigned wackiness and you didn't choose the level yourself but oh it's too wacky anyway um i guess what i was gonna say with those even though they were like very critical of very um, minor mistakes it didn't seem like that was the judging in the end uh like it wasn't like this piece of crab shell means you're eliminated it was just like look most of you had a little thing wrong but the big thing wrong is what we're going to go with and the big thing right is who won so it didn't like come down to this any of these like super tiny kaiseki things. i mean i think we all figured out that the crab shell was a red herring pretty early on because they yeah, totally. talked about it endlessly and so it was like oh whoever picks out the crab is really the one that's going to get that in the face, yeah, so but, we knew it was yeah. Melissa, and I was nervous the whole time. But then, like, the main problem wasn't even the crab shell. The main problem was that uh, her uh, her stuff didn't set properly. Her right? eggs didn't because she yeah, put it her in the failure oven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about the thing that Sarah mentioned earlier, which was the um, Melissa's choice of uh, assigning. So her oh, yeah. huge advantage was that from winning the quick fire was the, uh, Melissa got to choose who not only her own course which she would take but she also got to assign everybody else and instead of assigning them to people who thought she would have a hard time with the challenges she tried to give people stuff they would enjoy um, yeah. and how did how do you guys feel about that kind of play heart eyes yeah, it. yeah it's classic so top chef it's like any other reality show the person coming in was like now you're gonna get what you deserve for wronging me three episodes yeah. ago but yeah top chef, and then i'm gonna like kneecap you in the whole foods parking lot <laughs> yeah like top chef every season when it gets to like the last after restaurant wars everyone's sort of like melded together into one like trauma bonded yeah 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 they they are definitely trauma bonded so like they always support one another once they get into these last stages i can't think of a season in a while where people have been like dicks after restaurant wars especially getting to see them in the last chance kitchen episode where they were the the current chefs were hanging out together they all seem to like and respect each other, and it was really—it's so heartwarming. Yeah, it's so nice. It's just a good place to be in. It's 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 yeah. like it's a happy space for me. And also, uh, all stars. Yeah. Nobody needs this. You know? No, yes, and sure. also this particular challenge. Who is it going to benefit if people are struggling even more with an already such a good point? Challenge? Like, do you want to feel like a group of assholes in front of like 
this panel. It just in, it in seems front of like this bronze medalist in in beach volleyball. Come on, um, Carrie Moss Jennings. Come on, medalist. I'm sorry if you're not gold. slander, Whoa. Carrie. Whoa. Well, kidding, Alex. Wow, 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 mics. <laughs> wow. Okay, there was a bronze medalist. Who was it then? Tom said Tom referred to somebody bronze medalist. Well, that that's a very sure high honor. Carrie Walsh Jennings. Uh, one of the three best in the world if you got a bronze medal. But <laughs> I but like in general, you know, like this is a super specific challenge, really really difficult, such a specific type of cuisine. It's not going to benefit anyone if you try to set people up to fail when they're already going to be like really in their heads. And I think, you know, it resulted in like a really beautiful meal. They were there nothing was a, a huge disaster. They had things no. they could criticize, but none of it was bad. Like even the bottom dish wasn't the worst thing. It just wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Karen's was like, it seemed from early on like she was having the most trouble, but it was like all of a sudden you have to cook over a charcoal bowl and that's your only thing. And, and you have to it, make that instead of having like a pre like right, yeah, you can build device. a grill from yeah. things you find around the stadium. Yeah, yeah. They were that seemed up, rough. They lined up a bunch of grill baskets. We have that grill basket, I realized. Yeah. As she was setting that up, I was like, whoa, they're using things we use. That can't be a good sign. <laughs> Yeah, and she had to like change the her her preparation method a couple of times, and like yeah, it just seemed like a tough. And she tough should thing. have spent every minute of that cutting the duck so that it was identical to all the other duck ever. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I think when she picked duck, I was like, I feel like this is not going to render correctly because I, I don't think I've seen duck cooked properly very often. I feel like it's it's a trickier. One. It, it's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing I, I will say about hearing everyone's commentary, it was interesting that like this is such a technical meal, and it's there are so many criteria, and so you have people that are judging it on this like extremely high level and like super hyper detail oriented, and then people for whom this is their first kaiseki meal, yeah. and they're like, you oh, know, that sprinter who had food for the first time, <laughs> it was just like, well, this, well, this is is this a soup? <laughs> like, it was kind of like I mean, it was it was really endearing in this weird was, way yeah. where it was like people were like this is not landing correctly for me. And then other people who are like, well, now I'm excited to go to Japan. I want, <laughs> yeah, I want everything, everyone to be like judged simultaneously by these kinds of people. So like, I think oh, that's so interesting. Some people for like the, you know, the, the Academy Awards who just has never seen a movie before and just yeah. be able to see them be floored by this. Like, like wow, <laughs> the moving pictures, there is sound. Also, I'm in a seat. There's popcorn. <laughs> what? Oh. See, How listen, does the corn gets so big. I think, <laughs> I think that's exactly how the Oscars work and why Green Book won Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, that does explain a lot of the recent Oscar wins. Very good point. Um, I, uh, I, It's interesting you mentioned the soup, too, because I thought one of the mo- more challenging courses is the soup course where it's yeah. like, it's supposed to start bland. And that's such perfect. a gnarly challenge for well, us to, like, you're supposed to make a soup that doesn't taste like anything, but then bland, later just undersalted. There's yeah. a difference. I, yeah, which, yeah. Yeah. Well, it should, it like, didn't go so well for Gregory slowly. in his course, which was just make some rice, Gregory. Well, well. Mm, oh, my God. Sure. I mm, all of don't these, know where to start. I mean, all of these seems like the most stressful challenge. Because you're like, oh, sure, the soup course, cool. And then you're like, oh, my God, that, like, magical broth. And then you're like, rice, cool, cool. Wait, it's not just rice. You have to put other things in it. And the amount of salt is the most important thing you've ever thought about. It's yeah. like all of them are, that, are like little traps in some way. Yeah, it's kind of like – it's like basically – choking the restaurant 
You know, where it's just like like it's just all these like sports people who are just like I like I just have to I just have to put the right amount of salt on this thing. It's a simple task, and no one can do that like under that kind of pressure. Well, I think I what we're arriving that, at. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just it's interesting with Gregory that he noticed the salt and it with like almost enough time to salt. Like he just he it seemed like he noticed it while there was still time on the clock, but it was not enough for him to even just like throw a salt shaker at the wall and hope it bounced the right amount back. <laughs> it still he, would have done as much because it would have had to have, like you would have had to have the salt like kind of in the broth much earlier. In yeah. order to, like, get, uh, and they'll okay. know if you think about the salt too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what we're writing at is, is I think like, you know, Japanese cuisine and cooking technique is something that's hyper specific, hyper focused. I mean, this, Japan and France one. get... Well, and specifically, kind of like the yeah. most formal, most refined version of it, and it's it's you know like Japanese food and French food are sort of culinarily equivalent in the people put so much time and energy and specifics into this stuff, yeah. and it just turns out like yeah, in in sort of the Western tradition, like a lot of these are French trained chefs and not Japanese trained chefs, and so like everything's really different and tricky. And it was kind of nice, actually, that they were all equally disadvantaged. If there was, like, one trained Kaiseki chef among them, it would feel right. a little bit more unbalanced. It so wasn't in, quite. Honestly, like, like, there's a... The, the two Bryans, for example, like, had, I think, a, a kind of different advantage. Like, like, like it was definitely weighed more towards Volt in terms of, like, temper, temperament, I guess. It, yeah, for sure, temperament-wise, yeah. Oh, yeah. Volt, Melissa, Gregory, I thought, I think I said last week, you know, yeah. based on their, their sort of tweezerness, uh, right. would be... Yeah. Well, More. so Volt did get up near the top of this tweezerness, and then our winner though is a non-tweezer user, which yeah. is um, Private Chef Stephanie Seymour, um, who not only got um, uh, funniest chef of the day, but also won for her panna cotta. Dude, I love the thing Seymour. that took Karen down in the in the um, first round. She came out with a yuzu and orange granita panna cotta, which sounds so good. <laughs> and the lemon was the bowl. <laughs> the lemon was a bowl, and they were like, "Yeah, we love to use lemons as bowls." It was great. <laughs> um, and then on the bottom, literally everybody else, uh, but yep. going home was Karen for her her duck. Um, let's mm. pull out the hanky box, one to sixteen hankies for the second elimination of Karen. Uh, who wants to is start, it, or is this one where we just all say our number at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> That's good podcasting. Uh, it would be a little hard to hear. Chris, you start, though. Why Why do you say that? Uh, I'm going to go with the seven hankies. I, I, I think, like the rest of the group, really, really like Karen. Um, I was uh, relieved that my girl, Melissa, escaped uh, near certain doom. Yeah. But at the same time, it you know, the editing was a little weird about the duck. And and I'm I'm not saying conspiracy, but it did feel narratively convenient oh interesting all right yeah. tanya how many hankies I uh i would say maybe five i think you know i i felt for karen because i know she fought so hard to come back to the competition and i was really glad that she got another shot yes and i i did i did see her going farther than she ended up going yeah. but i also felt like when they were weighing all of the errors against each other, it did feel like the duck had the yeah. most problems. And okay. so I, I understood where it was all coming from. And the thing that I'm realizing that kind of like cuts down my personal hanky usage in this season is that everyone is a real champ about going out. Yeah. So like true. every single time, like I'm sad for them, but they're so like strong about it that it like, 
it it makes it harder for me to get choked up because I like I'm like yeah you are you're strong and resilient and you're gonna be fine. Karen, like, you're so gonna gracious. power lift your way out of yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just, I, yeah, I have utmost respect for her, and I think she did. She comported herself wonderfully, and so that yeah. that helped with my my hanky staying kind of on the dry side. No disrespect. Totally, mm. uh, I'll agree. I, so I'm a more of a late convert to uh, Camp Karen, but um, I. Yeah, it just it, it felt like the right decision right now. And also, it's just so hard to watch any elimination where Melissa and Gregory are on the bottom. Um, it's just it's an intent. And and also the way we're getting down to it, we're, we're at a point where I just realized for the first time that between um, Melissa and Gregory and Brian Voltaggio and Valerie's husband, most of them won't win. And that's like well, yeah. kind of hard to think about. Um, yeah. So. I, my my hanky situation is five hankies for malarkey dodging yet another bullet and then one extra one for Karen because I am sad but she will be fine. I uh, I mean can I, can I go next? Um, normally we would go city to city so let me have Megan sneak in then you can okay, go next. That's fair. M- Megan, what do you got? Um. Yeah. I I I was sad. Um. And. I think, but less sad because Karen did come back from mm-hmm. Last Chance Kitchen. Um, previously. Previously. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I just, I feel like I'm just like. <laughs> just, Life is easier when you feel nothing. I understand yeah, that. it's true. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I was like, okay, this is what's happened. <laughs> You guys, just so you know, wow. she does have a lot of emotional um, depth on normal days, just not on podcast days. I don't know what it is. This is what's happened, and I accept it. Uh, <laughs> she's very happy. Uh, we are happy, uh, just so you guys know. Um, as you can go next. I am, I'm so curious about so many things, Megan, about the worldview, <laughs> but maybe I'll ask on a non-Sunday, I guess, to see what happens. Um I uh yeah I, I think I'm in a similar boat around around eight hankies um I I the thing I think that that moderated the hanky thing was that um if it had just been sort of like the cook on the duck that had ruined it um that would have been uh felt unfair but because the cut was also wrong um, yeah the cook and the cut yeah because like like the, the you know the cook that's like, like okay it's, it's, it it sucks when you have to like make your own I guess grill uh and you're not expecting to do that. But if it's also like the, the knife work, like it's a level precision that like is is possible, I guess. And it's not necessarily you got like stuck with a bad course. Um, totally. So I, I and, and also, yeah, like I, I, I thought she she competed with honor throughout. Uh, like I, I, I think I think this did good, good things on the whole. Basically, it was nice. I was I was happy to have the extra time with her on the TV, uh, not totally. only for the season, but then mm. also when she came back. So I, I, don't know, I, I think I feel like a more more gratitude than anything else. Absolutely. Sarah? Um, before I give my number, I think we forgot Ooh. to talk about how good her tea smoke was. Mm. That was yeah. like, the main positive of her dish. It wasn't enough to save her, but they loved the flavor and the creativity of her tea smoke on the deck. So I just want to say that. Yeah, good point. And also, we the um, that was also like a late addition. It wasn't her original plan, I believe. Yeah, uh, that was correct. her So it was a really good adjustment. Tip. Yeah. Um, and so my hanky count is 10 um, because I have really enjoyed watching her cook and I'm really sad to see her go. Um, and I just think she should have and could have stayed at least 
two more rounds. Like I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think she was robbed. If you if you were to put in in a notebook, you would put her ahead of Malarkey. Yes. You're saying yes. There's yeah, and I think and you know I I love Stephanie too, but I think if you base them on how well they've done this season, I think Karen should have gone further than Stephanie. Totally. Um. So that understandable pushes me, you know, up on the hanky scale, um, a little bit. But I also think for this episode, her dish was the one that lacked the most, and it is fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, other Sarah, hankies. Yeah, I'd say I'm about a seven. I just really hate when I hate when anyone goes um, in a season like this. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Karen's. Well, we'll get into this more when we talk about Last Chance Kitchen. But Karen's like clear frustration. I really, really relate to because she wasn't even directing it at anyone else. It's just like the the frustration with yourself when you know what you're capable of is the most relatable thing. And I really yeah. like her. I. I think this was a great season for her. I think she comported herself so well. And it's just a shame to see anyone go at this point. Would you prefer if we did an episode where it's like everyone does the all the cooking and then just next week there's one fewer chef and we don't know why. We never talk about it. I mean, I like to rip the Band-Aid off. So I guess I would yeah. prefer to see. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what do you got? Hankies. I think I'm around six hankies. Like it, it it's it just we not to sound repetitive. It's just like she's she's a boss she handled it well like it seemed like she was like walking out the moment Podmas said K. like <laughs> she didn't even finish her name she was like thank you so much and was like going Aww. up to hit, shake hands yeah, yeah i think her exit was so good and i, I so i we're gonna get into this in just a second but i last chance kitchen seemed like it actually hurt her much more mm-hmm. maybe because she knows she'd come out of it before so she still thought of that chance and then knowing the chance was closed was really hard but well as i promised before recording i have conspiracy theories we have theories i can't wait but first before we get into those theories um we need to take a dip in megan's mailbag do the you can get in touch with Megan by going to packyourmics.com. You're also available on Facebook and Twitter and email podcast. Nope. Mailbag at packyourmics.com. Megan, what's in your bag? Um, we have a note from Michelle that I just wanted to mention. I didn't get uh, to say it earlier, but we were talking about um, panna cotta. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michelle had written, until Stephanie when I was starting to think that panna cotta was the new risotto. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Maybe I stole that from the. I'm sorry. I thought I thought of it originally. I don't think I saw that email, but. Well, anyway, we we're on the same wave, wavelength. There, for, sure. for sure, it is. I mean, it's super tough. Um, apparently, yeah. I uh, we have an email from another Jane. I uh, another Jane writes. This struck me as a particularly funny episode of the show. Oh, this is from this Jane. Hi, Jane. Uh, Stephanie struck comedy gold twice with her muttered, what have we been doing when Padma yeah. said, like, the games begin. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> and later when she's saying, that's so cold, because it's a freezer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, God, I, lo- I love Stephanie. Seriously, quit fire so to Stephanie. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Jane also says, there was also a hearty laugh at something Padma said when she was presenting the taste test challenge. The edit would have us believe that everyone was convulsed with laughter because Padma said, this challenge is a piece of cake. 
But the laugh was way too big and joyous for that, so I do not trust the edit. No, that's for sure not a good enough joke. My best (laughs) guess is the laugh actually came moments later when Padma held up a blindfold and said something saucy like, I brought this from my boudoir. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good point. Buffet. Oh yeah, did we, did we did we even talk about her, how she says buffet? Yeah, last we did. Week? Okay, I feel good. like we 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 mentioned it briefly. Good. Uh, yeah, this was definitely a funny episode, and also we'd had some tense episodes, and then this one was also tense. But I felt like this one was a good emotionally was what we needed right now. Um, the funny parts specifically. Yeah, uh, not so funny. Um, Marianne writes, watching last night's episode certainly made the cancellation of the premiere of Trolls 2 pale in comparison. Oh, that's so, so true. Bad. I felt so bad for Stephanie. But she still will get to go to the Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, yeah, we, I, so. I assume that they will give the, the ticket will be available for next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it might not happen next year either. That's not yeah. a guarantee. Yeah. It is definitely out. not a guarantee, which is really rough. I feel like this, I feel like the elves will make this right to her in some way. Um, yeah, I'm the not. Thing about the I'm Trolls not world premiere is that her. there's no way you could make it right. So that's because either way, you'd have to watch. Unless they were like, "Hey, we're sending you to pre- <laughs> pick any movie, and we'll send you to the premiere." That would be way better. Well, Marianne does point out, uh, no doubt, Nini's red carpet look would have been epic. Yeah, so we're missing out on that. Man, if there was an award for best Last Chance Kitchen audience member, that's Nini for uh-huh. sure. Okay, you're channeling. You're Another channeling one? Our <laughs> what? <laughs> Wow, Alex is psychically inside the mailbag. <laughs> I do have access to all of these, but I assure you, I did not look. Ren writes, "Give Nini her own show." Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Man, she's so fun as a heckler slash semi participant in Last Chance Kitchen. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, Ren also writes, "As soon as they gave Karen the, I went home on this last time edit. I was sad oh, because yeah, I knew I she was going that. home." <laughs> That yeah, is that's, a kiss that's of death for sure. Two uh, repeat theme eliminations in a row. That's yeah, so true. Yeah, don't don't seek redemption. I feel like that's the theme that we've learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's uh, so Jordan writes in with some thoughts about that. Um, this was from last last week, uh, so it doesn't mention this episode. But here, uh, Jordan writes: the last few episodes showed a couple or, couple of familiar mistakes. Eric and the execution of his menu that got him eliminated in, in his first season, and now. Kevin for taking on too much in Restaurant Wars. In his season, he was responsible for a lot of the main course, and though he was not eliminated, his team was on the bottom. Melissa was on the bottom last week for Vegetables, which was a recurring fault in her first season when she made an underwhelming salad. And Gregory hasn't done it yet, but he went home in the finale because he cooked way outside of his comfort zone. Yeah. RoboVolt got cooked out by his brother, uh, outcooked, sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> cooked out. That's good. Yeah, cooked out. <laughs> so maybe Kevin comes out. back and has Tattoo Volt as a sous chef in the finale. Ooh, that would be so- man. If they were like, you can pick any sous anybody you want in the world as a sous chef, and he picked uh, Brian's. That would be a real psych out move. Wait, wow. Be, really anyone, one, Gregory. Gregory Tom. would do that. Yeah, you pick Tom. Well, he tried you. to pick Brian, but then he just yelled the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> oh man that would be intense yeah tom would be a good pick too he seems good curtis Uh, stone Anne writes with the note on our episode from last week uh ann writes kanji is a breakfast food all over asia Uh, so don't knock that and and say it's not a brunch dish I think we didn't give uh full credit to kanji as a breakfast food last week okay so 
Oh yeah. Uh, stu- Sorry. <laughs> stupid question. Remind me what kanji is. It's a rice porridge, and it's uh, you is can it, it similar- can be savory or sweet. I believe oh, it's definitely a breakfast food. Uh, I would object more to the amount of ham in it, but I know ham is also a breakfast food, so that's that's our bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean ham isn't fun, always food, right? It's one of the fun things about <laughs> brunch is that it's like it's it's the gates open. Come on in. It's not an it's not a, a me. Um, the the point is combining two meals that pretty much could cover almost anything. Yeah, so, it's basically just yeah. like it's it's kind of like it's like any food. That's what that's what the it's a food it's a food meal. That's what I like about one of those brunch. Food meals, yeah, yeah, yeah. So can anybody yeah. think okay. of a food that is specifically not a brunch food? Oh, fun game. All right, let's try to think of the worst dish. That would be good at another time, but does not work at all at brunch. Chocolate cake. Blue cheese. I would eat chocolate <laughs> cake for brunch. I mean, I would too, but I, it's I've not necessarily I've had best. cake at brunch, but yeah, a full piece of chocolate cake would be kind of gnarly. Oysters? That no, would that's also a brunch food. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop, then, people. Anything with lamb? Oh, yeah. <laughs> lamb? Okay. Oh, yeah, something real gamey. I was thinking like yeah. a chipino. Oh, that's a good one. That's highly offensive. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the only thing I'm thinking of that I wouldn't have at brunch is like movie theater style popcorn. Or oh, like, how did the corn get so big? I don't know. <laughs> Steve. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't Scallops sit well. I agree. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's a, like using. I mean, so popcorn on things is like a food trend of the last few years, right? You could have like a popcorn crusted thing, or you'd have. Yeah, um, I feel like that's almost like a 2008 food trend. Like yeah, I feel like we've 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 moved. Past if I've it. heard of it, it's over. Mm. <laughs> I'm. Yeah, it's, I'm usually a no, bad. You live I'm, in LA now. I'm right. a lagging indicator. <laughs> um, yeah. Remember when I learned a new phrase and then everyone was like, "Oh, that's the end." It's like sad. Whenever I when I learn a new slang, it's like there's like a it's I feel sad for that slang for having found out this way that it's over. <laughs> oh no! We're doing the, the Grim Reaper. What was the things that you killed, or, or just we you know, think about it hypothetically without? Um. Uh, I had one. I was, this this happened like a, like last year, and I can't remember what it was. Where I like somebody explained slang to me, and then I tried it once, and I just felt sad. Like, oh, I feel bad for this slang. Oh, yeah, the slang and then, died. Yeah, I just felt it dying. But yeah. All right. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I just found out about popcorn on stuff. So sorry, two thousand eight. Uh, well, I there's something else we talked about last week. Oh, good. Okay, I thought you were going to say that somebody had just written about how popcorn was old fashioned, and I didn't notice that either. <laughs> um. Well, so Ariel wrote that thanks to us, she definitely wants to try aquafaba now. Oh um, yeah. So I wanted to read this email that we got from Lex. Uh, Lex writes in my home, especially during the quarantines. Uh, which I liked as a phrase. Mm -hmm. Uh, Living with two other vegans is a constant celebration of beans. Already a staple of our diet, it's become somewhat of a joke, the amount of beans per week we eat now. With that being said, last week's bean quick fire was a disappointment. Robovolt marinating meat with beans, it's the agony. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. It kind of reminds me of the uh, Richard Blaze confused tofu, where he, he won for tofu in pork fat or something like that it was but that's it was a tofu. also a thing i mean mapo tofu is not always vegetarian right which is but he's especially mean if you're gonna make a tofu dish that i can't eat it's like it just feels like you're just taunting me well, you try to make tofu taste good alex <laughs> i can just not to you okay. I, I can make it taste really good for people who are not used to eating good food Great uh, me on a curve that's all, all right, <laughs> 
Uh, well, this might help you, Alex. Uh, Lex writes, um, I wanted to drop a quick line to an aquafaba explainer. Mm. One of my friends is a vegan baker and she utilizes aquafaba, go beans, in her recipes, <laughs> as well as other egg replacers like ground fox seed or silken tofu. You mm. are able to make aquafaba into a meringue. In addition to folding it into recipes as other straightforward egg replacer. Interesting. Very cool. There's some there's some links that we can share in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put those in the show notes. Um, I'm gonna go crazy with some bean meringues this week. (laughs) Mm. I'm a big fan of beans, and I'm very excited by this. Bean there, fluffing that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have a question from G number one. Oh yeah. Uh, Not sure if they're doing it this season. Actually, I believe they are. Yeah. Um, if they did. Who would everyone vote for as fan favorite? I mean, it's got to be Seymour, right? Oh, really? I feel yeah. like Melissa because I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned about Melissa overall. I feel like yeah. we might be we we've been getting a lot of strong hints that like her time might be nigh, uh, which is terrible. And I think Chris is upset. I, I, he's taking no, some weird breaths. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but, it's but very I, sad. I, but I don't yeah. think you're wrong. I see what you're res- responding to. Yeah, I mean, and it is, it's just, like, purely on performance. Like, she keeps saving herself, but, like, the the winds are getting narrow and narrower and narrower. And so I kind of feel, but I do feel like there's just been so much, like, outpouring of, like, fan love for her that that might be the, that might be the prize. I mean, the true prize is that they're all just really talented and they're doing great things. But, yeah, yeah, I could see her taking it. The true prize is the friends they made along the way. (laughs) <laughs> the true prize is the gift of life that we all live. Um, I, but, but yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah. And, and maybe, I don't know. I, I guess Melissa and Greg to me also stand out like the three of them, I guess, feel like they could all be equally matched for a fan fave. It depends on where you guys, where you want to put it. I sort of feel like, yeah, th- using it for people who did not win, I think is helpful. Cause a lot of the time the actual winner on from Bravo is the chef who won. And that seems like, a bummer. Like you had a chance to make a second chef feel good. Why not do it? Um, but I just, I, I, if we're doing cooking as well, I feel like if, if it's mostly cooking, then I, I totally see your point. But if it's just for like delight and excellent work on a reality show in the non cooking parts for me, it's Stephanie. Oh, I think Nini is actually a good contender. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Contender, that's true. but I think it's also considering like how you watch it. I think Melissa is the fan favorite. Cause I feel people talk about her more. And I think there's more of an affinity for Melissa than like Gregory. Yeah. Uh, I can agree. So it's like either if you're like, if it's like, fan favorite for who's watching top chef or who's also watching last chance kitchen. Cause if it's last chance kitchen too, I think it's Nini. but yeah, I think it, we have to do like, it's like there's a, like the daytime Emmys. There's like a web version of fan favorite that Nini gets to win. Yeah. She's the internet favorite. Yeah. Runner up Eric as hottest. So yeah. <laughs> well, I think he probably, wasn't he the fan favorite last season? Yeah, I think he was. I thought so. I know he got one of those like hottest chef awards because Tom made him raise his hand. (laughs) (laughs) What about Uh, Kevin though? Because his journey, uh, I don't know. I feel like his journey fighting back. He's just so likable. You know, as as a Top Chef viewer, it's hard not to also put him in the mix for fan favorite in my mind. I don't. We have. the fact that Whoa. Kyle is favoring on this, we, I, we have to get to the, we can't wait to get 
get to this. All right, let's let's finish up the mailbag and we'll come back. Okay, we do sorry. have a, a, a last chance kitchen conspiracy theory that I'll save. Um, I will. I, sorry, so. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just said to move on, but I just pulled this up. So last year, Kelsey, who won the season, also won fan favorite. Um, oh. The year before that, when Flam won, uh, Fatima won the fan favorite. Of course, oh, yeah. Fati. And and in the season 14, Brooks season, Sheldon was the fan favorite. And before that, yeah. I, oh, Sheldon, Chef Wonder. And so it seems like they did not do it in season 12, but every other season they have. So I'm assuming they will again this year. And apparently yeah. it's the person that makes us all go, aww. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, those, like, I, I feel strongly about those three choices. I, you know, with Kelsey, I just like, I really thought Kelsey was delightful. But I do feel like once you win, it's like, eh, okay. Yeah, when you're did it say they... You're a winner. I mean, yeah, you're already a winner. Yeah, why? it's like, you also want second place? So do they? When do they release the results? I or like when? Good, when does voting I end? I see that. Yeah, I, I think it's I before like the finale. Sure. It's part of the run up to the finale. Finale. Yeah. So people sense. don't know who won. I haven't paid nearly enough attention to that. Um, yeah. All right. So I'll end with this from Hannah. Um, Hannah writes: I am a librarian and came across a new cookbook, Family Meal, which was just released this month. It's a cookbook by a whole bunch of famous chefs, including a ton of Top Chef contestants, um, including Kwame Anwachi, and judges Dominique Crenn, Dan Barber, Eric Rupert, Hugh Atchison, etc. Plus, plus a lot of other rec- recognizable names, uh, Alex Gornichelli from Chopped, Bobby Flay, and Michael Simon. All of the proceeds go to COVID-19 Restaurant Workers Relief Fund. So we'll put a, a link to that in our show notes as well. Cool. Thanks, Hannah. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's like six hours um, on Kindle. That sounds totally good. I will uh, also just another quick update on fan favorite. Um, so the people who have won the season and also won fan fan favorite, I thought it was more often, but it's just it seems like it's just Kelsey and then way back when Stephanie Izard won that year. Um, also interesting uh, was that Kevin Gillespie did win fan favorite uh, back in season six. All right. So he's already had that award, so he doesn't need it anyway. All right. Speaking of which, let's get into our uh, we'll do a brief rundown of an epic day of Last Chance at Kitchen. So we had two parts and the second part was three parts. So first up, Aaron versus Valerie's husband in the Battle T, which was I felt like one of the weaker tie ins to the episode was like, Karen, you use some tea. Here is tea. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Kevin uh, won with his roasted tuna in hibiscus and mint tea broth over Karen's poached cod in lemongrass and ginger tea. And my main takeaway from this was that Karen did not seem pleased. Yeah, her dish seemed more delicious and more more of a thing. But I think Kevin approached it really smartly. And I guess Tom said Karen's broth was murky. So, which is the exact same thing that they said about Gregory in the Kaiseki meal. So maybe he was just thinking about how ma- mad he is about murky broth that day. All right, very so disrespectful. Here's where my, my overarching conspiracy theory is, and this is maybe frustrated and like cool towards Valerie's husband. I I think that this exposed that like Last Chance Kitchen may have been Tom wanting to get Kevin back in because it seems <laughs> like, especially with how the tea challenge went, that it just exposed how Tom how arbitrary Tom is with how he decides who wins. Yeah, um, we even talked about this, but this has been true of almost every episode where he's like, I've tasted them both. They're both great. So I decided the most important thing was which one had a better left side of the plate. Yeah. <laughs> like he, does, he always creates a judging thing for himself at the end that he's not established beforehand. Exactly. Well, and, 
Do you That's only because the they're both good. The direction was, if it's a tie, choose Kevin and make up an excuse. Tie goes to the Kevin. That's what, that's what it felt like. Because like with the, uh, the tea dishes, it really felt like they both did really well. I thought Karen's was more interesting. And then his decision was like, well, I'm going to go with Kevin's because his tea flavor is simpler and straightforward and not muddled as opposed to like denser and more robust. Like it just, it, it just kind of exposed how arbitrary it all feels. I agree with that. Chris, yeah. well, you, you said something just a second ago that I wanted to hear again. Oh, it was just that, I mean, it seems like when both dishes are really good, you know, we we highlight that. And he's like, well, I guess I think this one's better for this reason. I think part of it too is like with with the main show, you have a panel of judges who get to argue for hours. And with this, it's like, Tom, go decide. Like, he doesn't have a lot of time to think about it and retaste and consider. He has to like walk up and say something clever and then point at one of them. And they consistently seem like both of the dishes are great and, yeah. and so he it, it is only a tough, one it's arbitrary but it's hard i don't know if you it would be easy to come up with a more clear line of what how you're going to judge if they're always good right well they also um, used to have the thing where they'd have all the peanut gallery try the dishes too and that helped at least give some context yeah i like that yep how yep. things went but like now they don't do that anymore and like it just it, it just felt weird. And that's like when Karen was so angry afterwards, Sarah pegged it as like her musical theater energy coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. But I felt like she was, she was earnestly pissed off. You thought it was more oh, powerful. Agreed. Energy coming out. Yeah. I was um, just thinking yeah. about when someone else gets the alto lead, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was the energy um, I picked up from that? I, I can totally see that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't doubt that Tom I've, I've I've always thought this about the the flagship show as well but I I don't doubt that Tom in his mind has a historic performance of a chef affecting him in some way so that when it's a really close thing he might say this person like I've been consistently impressed with this person normally doesn't do as well um and let that affect him so if if he's like a little bit into having Valerie's husband come back because of that I don't think that that's like the worst thing I don't know. It, and it, also, if he felt like the elimination was unjust and he leans a little bit that way, I don't think that they sat down, had a producer's meeting and like the person we need to get back now is Kevin. But it's Tom's show and Tom's choice. And if he likes somebody, that seems like a like a reasonable tie break as well. Yeah, it doesn't bother me that much. Hmm. It just feels weird. It, it, yeah. it Especially when we get to the second half where it also it just felt like everyone wasn't saying what they felt, which was like, well, Kevin's coming back. Mm. Yeah. I thought, a lot of this floating around on Reddit too, that everyone thought this was just like set up to coronate Kevin. And um, let's talk, let's talk about the format of last chance kitchen finale to part two, part one, which is that, uh, so the, the way they set this up was Kevin versus the world. So of the chefs still in the game, five chefs come out. He has to cook against three of them that he chooses head to head and he has to win at least two of those battles. Um, and he makes it a little bit... Well, he starts out making it easy on himself by going up against Malarkey, and they cook off in the battle risotto um, with shellfish. Um, I, so they he picks the chef, the other chef picks an ingredient, and then Tom picks the dish. So 
Um, it was um, he picked Malarkey, Malarkey picked Shellfish, and picked Shells, and then Tom picked Rosado. Um, and they both made almost the exact same thing: Saffron, uh, Shellfish, Rosado. And the main difference was that Malarkey just spooned some extra broth on your plate for no reason. Um, and and also, actually, the best part of this episode was when uh, Malarkey was like, "I don't need no steak and wooden spoon," and all the remaining chefs. Uh, face oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you, really no, do. you do. You really do. oh so salty and good anyway um maybe malarkey's right that all the cool kids have their uh, risotto in a foot bath of broth now but i don't know i'm not convinced pine nuts Ooh, alex (laughs) you can end that now if you're into it (laughs) i haven't tried it let me try it if i like it it's over um anyway so i feel like that was seemed like a clear win um he made a better dish everyone kind of assumed he would make a better dish including malarkey um, what do you guys think of this overall, though? This, this Kevin against the world setup for it. I wanted the chef just to say, "Yes, we want you back," and then, then not have to fight. That's why. I, I, <laughs> well, that was, I mean, that is such an interesting part of it, where like none of them seem like they want the game to be harder, but all of them seem to want Kevin back. Maybe they just wanted coffee. Yeah, they want yeah. the coffee. I want my barista. Also, it wouldn't have really mattered because none of them were going to just like cook poorly so that he could win, even if they wanted him to come back. Like Volt, for example, I think truly wanted him to come back, but also like yeah, yeah. gave him the biggest run for his money of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of them could intentionally not do well. and But but it is interesting that that's the, the phrasing too, because that's what Gregory said was he was like, I want him back, but I'm not going to try to lose, which is not the strongest uh, game plan going in, I guess. Um, so does that feel like the, that doesn't feel like the show is set up to make Kevin come back. That feels like Kevin was very nice to people. And so they are not rooting for him to lose. I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I love the dynamic because it felt like it was kind of antithetical to the spirit of it a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, Tom was like there, this is war, like fight, fight your friends. And, and everyone's like, no, thank you. We don't want to. And they're like, and everyone was so like quiet when he's like, "Who who wants to fake it?" Like it felt like Tom once again trying to like rev up this co- this competitive edge that a they're too tired to have right now. For and, sure, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. we're all friends. Like no one dislikes anyone in this house. They're not going to be like, "Yeah, fuck Kevin, I'm coming." In. <laughs> like, it just it seems like Tom really thrives on like friendly competition, or he wants Last Chance yeah. Kitchen to be more overtly yeah. competitive than it is going to be because. Cooking head-to-head like that is very different than what they actually do in Top Chef, where they're basically just cooking against themselves at a certain level, you know? Totally. totally. I I think it, what I did like about it, though, was I liked... So I like seeing the number of people involved. I thought it was fun to have it be a series of battles. I always like it feeling like you had a, a series instead of just one bad dish ruins your day. Yeah. I also like that I liked seeing the chefs who were in the show come into Last Chance Kitchen and hang out. I also liked that at the end of it, we saw that the difference between Last Chance Kitchen and the regular show is how high they turn the dimmer switch on the kitchen. Yeah. That's know. fun. That's fun. They're like, turn on the other floodlights. Yeah, and, and you now know it's what? Like, okay, now it's regular Top Chef. Like, oh no, mom's <laughs> home. And it made a huge difference. It was great. Yeah, it's really fun. I and I liked their attitude, and also I loved seeing them not hate Kevin. Like that was so fun. Was seeing them all kind of like be okay with him coming back in, and that that was the most all stars the show has felt to me so far. Was when they were like, uh, even the like on regular Top Chef, even when they do like each other, they're still like a little more 
cutthroat. And in this, they were just kind of like, yeah, it's such a good dude. And he's so such a great chef. And we just want to hang out. And we all just want to cook good food and hang out. And that, and you're trying to make this meaner than it is. I thought well, that was fun. Here's something. Seymour didn't love it. That's <laughs> true. And Karen and Seymour did not have as good of a time. I agree. No. Well, one thing I liked was like everyone ragging when like Malarkey was cooking against Kevin. I wonder if it'd be interesting if they made they didn't make Last Chance Kitchen such a mystery thing and had like everyone in the peanut gallery like active Ooh. contestants. Uh, I, sorry, active chef contestants also yeah. in there like tracking it and like ragging on people and like forming bonds through this where they don't have to be like cooking. Yeah, that's really way. interesting. Yeah, I did. I did like that. That um, even though they didn't do it for the whole time, I liked that aspect of this setup. Yeah, it felt like I don't. They all experienced it together, and so that that sort of relieves some of that weird energy when someone comes back and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you, yeah, and we yeah, don't know totally. What happened and I yeah, the main thing would just be it would cut into everyone's sleep because like when we <laughs> yeah. saw Karen go through like one last chance kitchen gamut and then have to come back into the competition, she basically True. had to pull an all nighter. And yeah. like poor Kevin is now going to be on his fourth quick fire going into the regular episode, yeah. which like I guess you know if you want to come back from the dead, you got to punch your way out of the coffin. But like, good. <laughs> oh, that, that's got to be. I mean, that's a, that is a good point, though. Yeah, I, I'll share uh, the conspiracy theory from uh, yeah. Oh, listener. please. So Axel writes. Uh, my conspiracy theory is that Kevin won the first two rounds, and that's why he picked Brian and made a ridiculous dish for the second round. The quote quote-unquote second round because he knew he was already in oh yeah. they did it out of order yeah. oh so they like had it be more uh climactic by switching the order in the edit that's so hmm. there are other shows where they very clearly set like show the edit in order like like i think hell's kitchen for example where they always edit it so that it's close to a tie at the end mm-hmm. but this seems like it would be hard because the last one he has to say whether he's in or not that if you if t- if Tom has said because the way he announced you win on the fruit and nut dough one was Kevin you're back in the show like I don't know how you could edit around that win mm-hmm. well, um, I, and you wouldn't just say he lost if he didn't I I can I can see this happening though because of like the weird energy with him going up against Brian Voltaggio and how like Brian. <laughs> Like the way Brian was like, "Oh no, I won!" Like <laughs> <laughs> that is how he always talks. He's not good at anything. I That's know a, that was normal. a weird, sheepish win for for Voltaggio. Yeah, and it was really adorable because he kept saying, "I won my first quick fire," and he didn't. That's not what this was. You have no quick fire wins. Mm. You have your first last chance kitchen win. You don't get to make this a different thing. Well, he's from a different era when last chance kitchen didn't exist. That's true. But it's a man I out thought of that was really cute. And also I thought it was interesting that Kevin felt strong enough having won one and only needing to go 50-50 that he was like, I'm going to make this one bad. <laughs> I, I have to say, a stinky soup is pure chaos, and I can't believe they actually did that in this challenge. Yeah, it was so, <laughs> so was chaotic. So and he, 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 he turned into the skit, which I enjoyed. He was like, you want stinky, Tom? I have used everything you gave me. How high up on his funk ladder shall I climb? All of the it ingredients. Didn't sound like my favorite. No, it does not sound good. <laughs> no, it was upsetting it. to me. It was viscerally upsetting. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like 
you don't have to do a lot of fancy footwork on this. If you have three rounds, the odds, or if you, do, if you do two rounds with good chefs, the odds are they'll split 50 50. So the setup was he'll probably win and lose one. He'll win one and lose one of the first two. So we'll have drama. And the other thing, and but if it doesn't, if he wins the first one and the second one, it looks close and then he wins, Tom will just point to him and it's over. And that's not the end of the day. Like that doesn't make bad TV either. No. You don't need a third battle. You already won. That's great. And Kevin even like made it harder on himself by choosing not the chefs who have had the worst time. Like, yeah, Vault has not won a quick fire, but he's also had the best dish of several quick fires. Mm-hmm. So you can assume yeah. that he's going to good food. And letting like letting somebody volunteer for the third round was actually kind of a great move. I, I wish that they had let him choose. I wish they'd let Kevin choose what the uh, ingredient was. Then uh, I agree. I totally agree with that. Tom was like, "Well, you picked the chef." It was like, "Well, did he?" Like, but you would lose another incredible moment of ac- of like weird accidental humor of Tom saying, "Why did you pick fruits and nuts?" And Gregory going, "I think there's a lot of versatility in fruits and nuts." And then everybody waiting for there to be more, and then there's not more. <laughs> Sometimes that's, that's it. Yeah, it was um, delightful. Although I did, I will. Um, I I hesitate to bring this up, but because we're talking about some weird energy with Kevin, um, there after it was announced that that battle was going to be fruit and nut, um, Kevin interject. He, he contributed that this is California, the land of fruit and nut, and. I know that we grow those things here, but that also sounded like maybe he meant it as a slur. What? And what? The in- what? I'm just pointing out that this is a no. common thing that you want to go down this path right now, Alex. I yeah, like, what are you talking about? So this is a common thing that pe- that I have heard as a, a slur about California um, from bad parts of the internet before, and oh. it sounded like he meant it that way, but as a joke. And then I, Are you I, sure I fruit I, and nut and not milk and honey. <laughs> also, like, but that's just a, a fact that California grows a ton of produce and a ton of California raisins. I went California almonds. I, I, I agree. I'm glad that it didn't occur to anybody else. I went back not and forth all. on myself, and then I saw um, a bunch of people uh, on the Top Chef Reddit that I enjoy that thought that as well. That felt like it, he meant it as a bat in a bad way as well. And I, oh, so I don't know. No, I don't. Know. I don't. Oh my gosh! I I hate putting this energy out into the universe right now. We gotta we I gotta agree. jar this energy up and throw it somewhere away. <laughs> well, I I understand, and I I hate to have uh, shared this stinky smell with you, but also I needed to verify if it was that stinky. I don't know. I was I needed to know if you guys felt Alex, weird about it. Alex, that does not pass our smell test. So thank you. Okay, that's good. It, it, Please it, don't I, put it in your soup. Okay, so it flagged to me as a weird moment, I guess. Uh, it made Maya cry, obviously. Uh, <laughs> she might be a little sensitive, though. This whole discussion has really upset Maya. Uh, yeah, no, it flagged me as a weird moment because I don't think about California specifically on the nut side, I guess, that much. Uh, like, like definitely like the, the, the produce generally, I guess, is like an association, but I don't know if we're known for nuts specifically. What do you mean? Almonds, walnuts? I, so, yeah, I, know, I really do think of... California is associated with fruits and nuts. I mean, I guess fruits so, and uh, tree nuts. Then, yeah. I, then maybe that's the uh, external perception, and then that's just different. But I guess, like inside, it's like I think, like we're saying, yeah, California, great produce. We don't really like, necessarily like, single out nuts as like a thing that we're like super proud of. I guess internally, I guess I'll say we're not like we're not like yeah, we got those nuts. That's on us. You are almond butter. 
You are almond butter. It's You're made of almond butter, as you of all people should know. <laughs> okay. No one can correctly identify you. You can use peanut say, butter all yeah, the time. If, if I was almond butter, how come people don't know what I am? <laughs> uh, okay, good. What's well, a better energy? I just, uh, I just felt weird about it, and I wanted to know if anyone else did, and I'm glad you guys didn't. It's better off that way. Um, I mean, I still think there are two Kevins, and serious Kevin energy really makes me uncomfortable, and fun Kevin energy makes me feel like sunshine and rainbows. So yeah. that's just that's just what it is. Okay. So if I, we can keep Laser Kevin out of the arena as much as possible, I would appreciate that. He's kind of getting a little bit. So 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 Laser Kevin has a little bit more like second round of plays a little bit, where it's it's uh, it's got that, that yep. intensity where it's like yeah, yeah. a little more. Yep. And I get it, but it's less fun. But I get it. <laughs> yeah, I like I understand. I understand why it exists, but I still don't want it. Yeah. Well, if you feel a little bit draggled listening to this conversation, just imagine how Kevin feels after four battles in a row, having to immediately start a full day of Top Chefery. Um, Whoa, buddy. It's going to be a long day, a long one for him. Although Karen seemed like she pulled through that and like actually came out pretty well. So it was the powerlifting. Uh, it was maybe the powerlifting. Always the powerlifting. She's so strong. Uh, <laughs> maybe she's um, it. maybe it's powerlifting <laughs> <laughs> i also think kyle it's interesting to hear you talk like this because i was gonna my whole plan was gonna make you take all 15 or 16 of your hankies back i thought you had to you had to give back the hankies you you used up on on kevin now that he's here but yeah no um, in like, this time of covid we've been carefully laundering all the hankies between every episode alex and i don't appreciate you insinuating anything other than that and I was gonna say, <laughs> alex, we definitely are doing no returns throughout for for many reasons especially of hankies. Right. no one that's is fair. taking back your hankies okay that's fair um also, I did. Uh, I just want to add as my not a bold prediction uh, is the the death of a bold prediction, but it came close. Is I really thought Tom was about to say when he was like, "All right, you beat Karen. Now the only thing you have to do to get back in the competition is beat me. Look at me. I'm right here." I thought for sure he was going to have to cook against Tom, and then Tom was going to get back on the show, and Tom was going to win the whole season. I thought that was still a chance <laughs> for just a second. Like, weird. Tom won another season. Of- <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, fan favorite went yeah, to Tom. Was, no, this is tough, Kevin. This is both good dishes, but I went with a person whose name was Tom. Which... <laughs> well, if he finds another way to make that happen, we'll talk about it on uh, Pack Your Mics next week. Thank you, everybody who wrote in to Megan's mailbag. You can go to packyourmics.com to do that. And uh, we really appreciate all of the great conversations we've had and all of our very fun and 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 wonderful and generous listeners. Thank you for being here. Uh, yeah. Let's start with uh, new Sarah and Kyle. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Oh, good morning. Ah, uh, good day. <laughs> <laughs> also, thank you, Ez and Sarah. You did it. Um, you guys managed to uh, pull through despite your smell. Yeah, still smelly, <laughs> but you know we're still. Huh. So yeah, some someone chose st- uh, yeah stinky for for our. Yeah. we don't know why. <laughs> Man, uh, what a nar! I just used blue cheese to sort of like add some fat to the soup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna na- nightmare about that soup for a while. Uh, and uh, Chris and Tanya, thanks for hanging out, you guys. Bye bye. Ding doddly. Yeah. <laughs> it's new New York slang, slang the ding doddly. For sure. well, uh, it's gone. I just heard it. Um, and Megan, it's great talking to you. Great talking to you. Thanks for holding down the mailbag. I'm Alex. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Chris. Pack your mics and stay home and stay safe, buddy. Oh, thanks. (laughs)